In this short bonus episode of Worldwide, The Unchosen Church, I interview Dr. J. Gordon Melton, a distinguished professor of American religious history at the Institute for the Studies of Religion at Baylor University. Dr. Melton has been studying the Worldwide Church of God and its offshoots for almost 20 years. So I wanted to ask Dr. Melton to position the Worldwide Church of God within the larger context of American religious history. I also asked him how first, second, and even third generation members experience high demand religious groups like the WCG differently. Here are his responses. The Worldwide Church of God, it's interesting for a number of reasons. One, it, it is one of the more successful branches of the old Millerite movement. It, it dates back to the 1840s when William Miller predicted the end of the world in 1843 and 44. Out of that movement, there were several different branches. One of the branches was a Sabbatarian Church of God branch. And none of the Sabbatarian Churches of God were very successful. They were all five, 10,000 members each until the Worldwide Church of God came along. And then all of a sudden it was very, very successful. The other successful branches, by the way, are the Seventh-day Adventists and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Herbert Armstrong, his radio ministry was successful because he was one of the pioneers. And it's hard to, to think that the original radio stations only come in in the 1920s. So by the time that he's getting started at mid-century, radio is still relatively young, relatively experimental, and he can buy time on the air as his ministry expands. So he himself was fairly good on the radio. He wasn't his son, but he was a good enough speaker to where he drew an audience. And then he had this gimmick of being able to offer people free material and and also, as part of that, if people sent him money and said, it's for your material, he'd send the money back to them. And if they sent it in and became a partner with him to support the ministry, that was fine. But you couldn't buy the material. The only way you could get the material is to accept it as a free gift. That was uh, quite an interesting, different way of doing it. I think that's one of the things that that plunged him forward. And then very quietly, as people responded to them, he, he began to organize them. So unlike other radio ministries that didn't have time or didn't want to organize their followers in any way, Armstrong did. And he began to mentor and train preachers. The preachers accepted his style of presentation. And then after Garner Ted came along and Garner Ted, at one point, he was the most popular voice in broadcast ministry. And then all of the, the ministers tried to do it just like Garner Ted as much as they could. Lastly, I thought Dr. Melton's position on how first, second, and third generation members experience high demand groups differently was pretty accurate for the WCG experience. The first generation of converts, it's great. They love it. There will be a few people who come into the group for the wrong reason who won't, but as a whole, the, the first generation will love it. Uh, a good chunk of the second generation will love it, but only a, a small minority of the third generation will want that. 
the first generation have been pulled out of society and they're all have the conversion to the group in common. Uh, the first generation are, are all converts and they're all, all converted as young adults. Almost all of the people who joined the Worldwide Church of God at the beginning were young adults and they found their vocation once they joined this group. The, the second generation has been born into it and they don't have a choice about it. And as they get out in school and the world changes and they're reacting to the world that's different from their parents, <clears throat> then a bunch of them revert back to the norm. They like what they see out in the world more. I've done a lot of work on a group called the Family Children of God group. And they first generation, oh, this was great. And they were going to raise up a, a cadre where everyone was an evangelist. And so there were only two vocations you could follow as a young person. You could become a musician or you could become a preacher. And the second generation kind of reverted back to the norm. There were some who loved that and found, you know, between those two uh, choices, they, they were quite happy. But the, that second generation, there were enough of them who wanted something else that they essentially destroyed the group. But that was part of it. So we all agree that w with any kind of group, second and third generation are very different from the first generation. Dr. Belton isn't just a distinguished professor of American religious history at Baylor University. He's also the author of over 45 books on religious history. And you can check out Dr. Melton and his work by simply typing his name into Google. And I'd like to thank him for his insights here today.